So, like, one of my favorite things to do when I'm, like, kind of close to the end of work is to, like, put a game on. It's kind of why I built my man cave, to have, like, three TVs on the wall, you know? Um, and I just forgot how fucking shitty August can be sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I love baseball, but, like, it's the only thing on. And I think what makes August worse than July, nine times out of ten, is... Like in July, you're kind of past like the, the NBA season's over, and you're kind of like, but golf still is just kind of around if you're a golf fan, which I know you're not, but it doesn't matter. Um, and yeah, you still have golf kind of around. Um, but like baseball, you're kind of in baseball mode, and like those are when like the games really kind of start to matter. So you like you want to watch every game really closely to see how your team's gonna like kind of push to the playoffs. When August comes around, it's like football ramps up, and it feels like football is priority now. Which it is. Like, I had a fantasy football draft last night. And that, like, that's all I'm thinking about. And I'm super excited for the football season. And, like, you, like, you're on Twitter all day. You're reading, like, football stuff. You're talking, texting your friends football shit all day. And then you get home, and all you can watch is just, like, regular season baseball. It's just a bummer. Like, the just the, the, the like, the ghost time of year for sports when all you have is regular season baseball. And uh, I just, God... I just want football to start already so we can have something else to watch on weekdays. College football, two weeks away. You're telling me you don't want to watch Angels-Tigers? No. And today it's even worse, Julio, because we had a day game. So now I have absolutely nothing to watch tonight. It sucks. So, we've, and Whitney and I, realize um, we aren't good at watching TV shows together. Mm-hmm. So we started by that. Um, and just like our schedules are always just kind of all over the place that we, we don't have many shows we watch together or like, Mm. you know, we'll watch bachelor every Monday night. And then, um, like we watched Mandalorian and we watched WandaVision, but there's a lot of shows that people have been telling us about, or we've been telling each other about like, Hey, you need to watch this show. And we just Mm. haven't doing it. So Thursday night is now designated TV night. So, That's a good idea. I should yeah. change one of my nights a week to that so like I'm watching a new show one night a week. Yeah, so we have a, a lineup set of like shows we want to watch. We'll kind of like rate which one we want to watch mm-hmm. the night. So we got like I've heard a bunch of people talking about White Lotus. I'm stoked to so watch that. So you gonna try to watch one show all the way through or are you gonna like split it up like every week? It's a, a like depend like, so maybe, like a rotation of like three shows. Um it depends because it's like if it's like kind of a limited series, we'll, we'll start. We'll start yeah. the show, and then if we want to just keep watching it, we just keep watching it whenever we want. But yeah. every Thursday is like permitted. We're going to watch a show. So something like I've never seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, and she's always like told me about it, but I, I know it's hell long. So it's like Don't that's watch a com- the movie. The movie's trash. Oh, of course not. Never, never watch it. But yeah, I, I, but my two shows. I'm so excited to eventually show her on that list. Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. obviously, new episode tonight. Yeah. And Succession. Hmm. Whoa, she's never seen Succession. No, I'm so... Wow. I'm, yeah. She's I, and the, but the one, the one I'm excited to watch with her, Umbrella Academy. I'm so excited to watch Umbrella Academy. I've never Academy. seen Umbrella Academy. It, never, it never, didn't really catch my attention too much. You know. Well, that's because know. you went to the opposite of an umbrella. What is that? Academy? Opposite? Yeah. Rain? I don't know. Sunglasses oh, no, Rick, you have an umbrella. Sunglasses Academy. There you go. Whatever. You know, fuck it. Frat Academy. Frat Whatever. Academy. Welcome, you everybody. You wear a lot of sunglasses in fr- in, when you're in a frat. Yeah, there you it's go. It's like a thing. Yeah, welcome to Town Tailgate. 
Uh, that's Julio. I'm Chris. Uh, this is our podcast where we talk about Oakland A's baseball. We are members of the Around the Diamond podcast network. Check out their stuff at Around the Diamond on Twitter. We are at Town Tailgate on Twitter. Um, rough week this week, Julio. We're going to get into that um, in the second half of the episode. Um, but uh, before we jump into the big three, is there any news that we need to announce? I don't know why. I just totally blanked on that. Um. One. Oh, Julio, you and you and Jason did a uh, a green room today. Yeah, that was awesome. So okay. shout out to our, our good buddy Jason Burke over at Locked On A's. He started. I had. Uh, I'm heading out of town for the weekend, and uh, I was packing some stuff up, getting things together, and they were on green room. I'm like, yeah, screw it, I'll join. So trying with him. Uh, I didn't catch his name, but there's an Ace fan that he's friends with that was all the way from Australia talking to there oh, wow. so that was awesome uh we also had the host of lockdown yankees so it's really cool hearing that perspective uh but yeah jason if you're listening man loved it humbly jumping on when i can but another special shout out to good friend of the show i think he listens to almost every show since like the beginning eric mm-hmm. taylor shout out to Antioch. uh hooked me up with this awesome damn it I, my hand positioning's off that's actually pretty good hand positioning right there okay there we go uh, uh it's a cool pen it's yeah, it's an old school ace pennant. It's the 1972-1973 World Champion Swinging Ace. So appreciate it. Good luck on nice. that one. Uh, and uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter and our and subscribe to where you get your pods. I think that's the only major news we have. Yeah, and we're gonna try and we want we've been trying to do more green rooms and like maybe some we'll try and like collaborate some YouTube lives or something like that. As long as it's not the movie green room. <laughs> Holy fine. Yes. Yes. We meant, don't want to get in those green rooms. No Matt Damon. No Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So we'll try and collaborate some more of those so you guys can listen to live pods and live reactions and stuff like that. I think we're thinking of this different movie. Oh, what, what's the one with Matt Damon, the Paul Greengrass movie that wasn't that great? Oh, that's... um, Green Zone. Green Zone. Green, green zone. Room is with Patrick Stewart... And then uh, Ansel Egort, you know, R.A.P. That yeah. movie's. F- have you seen that movie? Ansel Egort is, did not die. No, I'm thinking of who's. He's a star of the new West Side Story coming out. Okay, I I butcher the names then. Who is the actor who was in Star Trek? He was in Charlie Bartlett. He like passed away. Oh, um, um. Uh... I know you're talking about, but it's not important. Uh, you can you can look it up and fill us in later. I will start with the big three. All right, we'll start with the big three. Did you find it? Anton Yelchin. Anyways, quick summary: they're Anton a punk Ye- band. Yelchin. They're playing a show in Portland, but what they don't realize is the place that they're playing at is actually like a massive Nazi bar, and they get kidnapped in it, and it's fucking crazy. Highly recommend. Oh. Patrick Stewart's the main guy of the Nazi clan. Big three. Take it away, Chris. All right. So uh, the biggest story this week was Tyler Gilbert, rookie, uh, made his uh, debut start um, for the – oh, my God. Totally blanking now. There's no Diamondbacks. The They're Diamondbacks. not a relevant team anymore. The Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. Touche. Um, and he pitched a no-hitter. Um, his dad also went viral because his dad was a lot like James Caprillion's dad, was losing his mind during it, rightfully so. His son threw a no-hit, no-hitter for the, his uh, debut. Uh, that was pretty cool to see that – Dimex have had nothing to celebrate all season, and this was something for them to to celebrate. Um, 
I couldn't begin to tell you what his prospect rankings and stuff like that were. I had never really heard of him until I got the ESPN update about the no-hitter, but I thought that was pretty cool. Julio, your thoughts? Uh, he was an unprotected... He got taken in the seventh only 27. round. Yeah, he got taken in the sixth round by the Phillies. He was traded to the Dodgers last year. USC! Uh, yeah, traded to the Dodgers February of last year. And then the Dodgers, uh, he would left him unprotected for the Rule 5 pick. So the Diamondbacks went and picked him up. He is, surprisingly, because you know baseball is a 120-plus-year-old professional organization, at least Major League Baseball is. And uh, he is the fourth player to ever do this. And he is the first since 1953 with Bobo Holman. He joins the ranks with Bobo Holman, Ted Stein. Steen, and of course, one of our all-time favorite players, Bumpus Jones. Those are such 1900s names right there. I just want to hear Keenan Thompson say, Bumpus Jones. But <laughs> That's, uh, Those literally sound like names from characters in um, Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're gangsters from, like, Philadelphia. Who no, like, watch out for Bumpus Jones, you see? Yeah. Uh, no, no major thoughts. Really, this just—I think this is a really amazing accomplishment. Um, the odds are we're not going to ever see this again in our lifetime. So uh, glad yeah. that if you were able I to mean, catch no, the town. no one, no one saw it in many lifetimes. Apparently, those <laughs> names weren't they from nineteen hundred and, and eighteen ninety or something? Uh, so our good friend of the show Bobo Holloman threw it in nineteen fifty three. My for point oh, of reference, 53. my dad was born in 1953. Yeah. Uh, and then before that, our guy Bumpus Jones in 1892. And then uh, yeah. Ted Brittenstein in 1891. Uh, and also, we, we kind of stopped talking about no-hitters on this podcast because it was just getting redundant. But uh, this is the eighth no-hitter of the season. It set the single season, or it's tied the MLB record with uh, only six weeks left in the season. So... Chris, does it happen? Are we going to get the record? Is somebody else going to throw a hitter rest of the season? No, I don't think we get it. I think that MLB um, changed the balls up after they saw all the no-hitters the first month, and they're like, whoa, it's looking a little fishy, so let's put some more juice back in there. Whatever. Devil's advocate, I think it's going to happen. Okay. The shittier teams got even worse because of the trade deadline. That's a good point. Which they Even always do, the and then this is where the this is where the team the playoff teams kind of start to like get their ground because they beat up on the shitty teams. Yeah. Even though the Padres were the ones who got no hit, but we'll talk about that in a moment. They um, didn't have Tatis that game though. I mean, did, they yeah, have, they, they're they're stacked. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, they got the Crone Zone. But hey, man, I I know like three D backs fans, Trevor Holloway. He got a uh, good uh, one of our good family friends just graduated from uh, uh, I think ASU nursing school or some medical school, and then he got this. So shout out to him because uh, really that's all he got as a D backs fan this year. <laughs> all right, and moving then, on. Next yeah. thing. Oh no. Uh, and then also Madison Baumgartner through a not technical, but technically. You know what I was pretty amazed to find out the other day? Madison Bumgarner is only 32 years old. Doesn't he feel like he's been around forever? 
Well, it's funny that you bring that up because when we were talking on the the green room earlier today, the yeah. the locked on Yankees host was just talking about um, this this notion that Brett Garner is just this old dude in this team. Like mm-hmm. Brett Garner in base is not that old at all. He's just old, he? old in baseball years. But then when you put it in perspective that he's been through like four different presidencies during his playing career, then that might <laughs> age him up a little bit. Wow, so Brett Gardner. Wait, 36. He's 37. He turned 37. He turns 38 on the 24th. I think he's just at a, pos- uh, a fielding position that like you don't see old dudes doing it that much anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They usually become DHs by this point. Or they're pitchers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Chris, what so, we got next? Uh, next thing, yeah, next thing we want to talk about is um, the epic tank job that has happened from a handful of teams, less than a handful of teams, um, ever since the All-Star break. Um, the Red Sox are probably the most um, publicized of this because they're on the East Coast and because they play the Yankees a lot. Um, they have just dropped dramatically in the standings. They were in first place of the AL East, probably the best division in baseball. Um, I would argue the best division, but others might differenti- di- differ. Actually, no, NL West is probably the best, but second close, close second. Um, uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, the Red Sox were in the first place in the, in the AL East. Now they are out of the wild card right now. They're the first team out. They're only a half game behind us, but they are not um quite in the playoff picture right now. They have they, ever since the All Star break, they are fifteen and sixteen, just below five hundred. The Padres have made an epic little uh little uh plummet as well um they're 14 and 16 since the all-star break you could argue uh part of that is because of the injury to their best player fernando tatis as they've also had a few other injuries including to their starting rotation you darvish got hurt but they also uh, that's which is why they signed uh jake arietta um recently uh and then the mets which we are going to get into this a little bit more detail because their owner had something to say about it but the mets are 14 and 20 so they, the reason why they're 14 and 20 and not around like 14 and 16, 14 and 15 like the other teams is because they had a COVID outbreak just before the All-Star break. So they had to play a, a bunch of double headers um, in the month of July um, to make in beginning August to make up for that. So they played a few more, a few more games since the All-Star break. Um, they are doing terribly. Their offense is just a joke. Um, I don't know, Julio, where do you want to do? Should we just start with the with what Steve Cohen tweeted? Yeah, it's it's just outrageous what he said. I'm gonna I'm pulling it up right now. But um, if you don't, if you're not aware, like a, he sounded like a disgruntled fan. Yeah, which Let's paint that picture. I think that's a big part of his his thing. Uh, but uh, a lot of talks been going around. Well, first off, Steve Cohen. Quick summary: He became the new the new owner of the Mets this year, and he's all in he's a big Mets fan beforehand he's made the move big moves the big splashes you got Francisco Lindor they were in the hunt for Trevor Bauer which kind of looks great in retrospective anyways uh very vocal to say the least he tweeted out on August 18th it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive the best teams have the most disciplined approach the slugging and OPS numbers don't lie He's just upset that his offense is just is terrible, and he's bitching about it. And he's I don't know he's kind of throwing his his players under the bus, which is kind of the the most um, 
crazy thing about it. Like, I don't know. It's one thing to uh, to be upset in private about it, or to to um, display that to your your players, you know, in the clubhouse. But to just like, you know, go out there in public and do it. I don't know. It's different. I I don't think there's anything too wrong with what he's doing. These guys get paid to be good baseball players. He spent a lot of money doing it. They, I think it's our job as fans to hold these people accountable to make them good at their jobs. Like if I'm bad at my job, I don't get to do it anymore. You know? So I think there is a level of like there, you know, he does. I think there is some for lack of a better word, like, you know, it's fine that he, he, it's not, it's not fine, but you know, there is some like level of acceptance to what he's doing, but like, I don't know. You do own the team, so like I don't know. You're just kind of airing out your dirty laundry to everybody. It's very uh, Steinbrennerian, for the lack of better words, and that's what a lot of people were saying on like I was watching the Chris Rose show on uh, John Boy, and him and Trevor Plouffe were talking about, and they were just like, "Dude, imagine if John if George Steinbrenner had Twitter in the '70s. Like, you don't even know like all the oh, shit yeah. that he used to say about his team back then." Mm-hmm in the press how many times he hired and fired billy martin all this stuff like Mm -hmm. it it like it was just the absolute shit show so who knows maybe this thing is going to turn around it doesn't look like it's going to turn around though uh the news or came out that jacob Degrom is more than likely going to be shut down for the rest of the season the the biggest problems with the mets is still the same problem that they've had for the last two three years which is their rotation's been really well. Taiwan Walker has been killing it over there. Marcus Stroman has been had a pretty solid year over there as well. It's just their offensive guys cannot be consistent. Pete Alonso's bat has got the big power. Still going there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dwight Smith Jr. had a really good year last year, and there was a lot of high expectations on him to kind of break out and kind of be one of the main guys on offense. Didn't happen. Michael Conforto has had a huge disappointing year. I know you're a big Jeff McNeil fan. And he hasn't been that hot. So what did they do to address all this OP like um, like OPS and slugging issues? They traded for Javi Baez, who is known for just being all or nothing offensive player. Where it's like you know he's either gonna strike out three times in a game, or he's gonna get you three home runs in a game. There's no other way. So that it's like look, that's on you for making those moves at the end of the day, but. It's also kind of funny that the Mets are just kind of spiraling. I, um, we hear how much Yankee fans hate Met fans, and I understand why kind of now at this point, and yeah. it's pretty funny. Uh, but the Padres is astonishing what's happening right now. Can, can I just touch on the Mets real yeah, quick yeah, go for, before go for you it. move on? I just want to give some stats. So they're currently exactly 500. They're 16-60. They're four and a half games out of the NL East. Um. And in first place is um, the Braves, who are on an upward trend. They've won six straight, nine of the last ten. They have a plus 86 run differential. The Mets have a minus 24 run differential. And then let's see where they're at in the wild card real quick. In the wild card, they are – I mean, they're not. They're less in the hunt in the wild card than they are in their, their division. They're five and a half games out. Um, yeah. And Cincinnati's making a good run at San Diego right now for that second wild card spot. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, if they're shutting down Degrom, I think that's pretty much it. All right, Padres, moving on. 
the Padres are a combined. This is a from Danny Vietti over at CBS Sports MLB. Uh, the Padres are combined 26 and 28 against the Rockies, D-backs, Pirates, Cubs, and Marlins this season. Uh, for perspective, all these teams are currently in last or second to last place in their yeah, respective divisions. Yeah. Whoa. Um, yeah, that's not good. So it's funny if you go and talk they were to the Dodger- fun team going in this yeah. season. Like everybody was like, like there. That's the team that got a bunch of like national TV games because they're like fun to watch and shit. And it's funny, if you just ask fans who are, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my boy Nick Million, uh, one of my good friends, he's from Carlsbad, huge Dodgers fan, and he's like, dude, it's it's the same shit every time with the Padres. It's that people get so hyped up on their roster, and you kind of, the expectations go over the head, which really, on paper, this Dod- this Padres team's awesome. It's just mm-hmm. like, Tatis was hurt, you brought it up, you uh, Darvis has been hurt. And a lot of their starters are kind of are, are just whatever. They had to go pick up Jake Arrieta, who got shelled yeah. in Colorado. They were so close to getting Max Scherzer. That didn't work out. And I think the one thing all these teams have in common, and we'll talk about, talk about more with the Red Sox, is like these are the three teams that they really could have capitalized on really upgrading their rosters during the trade deadline. And they did in the wrong areas. Mm-hmm. And Padres, it's starting to look like, you know, even with Tatis hurt, their offense is still pretty consistent with like Jake Crone or Jake Cronenworth and Manny Machado's coming back up. Tommy Pham's been hitting pretty well lately. And uh, they needed some pitching depth and they did, they couldn't pull anything off. So they had to do, they had to go get Jake Arrieta. I mean, there's no one left for them to get at that point once Darvish got hurt. I mean, you could argue that they should have made a, a better run at an arm at the deadline, but, like, I don't know. They kind of looked they looked okay at the, at the deadline at that position. And also, like, you also don't want to give up too much to get another starter that, like, potentially you're on the hook for for another couple of years because you still have Mike Clevenger coming back next year. So, like, that's a lot of money on the books. I don't know. I, I mean, it's biting them in the ass now, but. So and they're, they're still a game up on Cincinnati in the wild card spot. They are nine games back from the Dodgers at, for hosting that that uh, that uh, uh, wild card spot, um, that wild card game. Um, and let's see how many games are back from the Giants. So I think they're twelve games back from the Giants. Yeah, they're twelve games back from the Giants. They don't have any shot at the at the division. I. Wow, Dodgers run differentials plus two hundred four. They're gonna beat the shit out of the Padres in that game. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what you do to solve this. You could make the argument. I'm sure a lot of people would make the argument. They got Tatis back. It's gonna be a different ball game. Well, look at Mike Trout and what he does for the Angels. Look at Otani. Look what Otani's doing this year, and they're still yeah. below five hundred team. But yeah. it's like, and you kind of gonna go on that wild card point. It's like. The Dodgers are the last team right now in terms of the wild card picture. You will want a one game playoff because it's like, no. all right, we're throwing out either Max Scherzer or uh, Walker, Walker Bueller. Bueller. It's like, <laughs> yeah, good luck. Who I think Walker Bueller should. I feel like he's not getting enough Cy Young love as mm. he is. I know it's pretty cool now that like DeGrom's hurt, the Cy Young for NL is kind of like up in the air. Mm. But it's like, what are you going to do? Um, what are you gonna do? Hopefully the Padres can turn around because they're they're fun as hell. 
the I think they will at some point now that Tatis is healthy and Blake Snell's kind of turning around. I think they'll start playing better. But let's just shit on the Red Sox for a minute. If you're who do you pitch in that wild card game against the Dodgers or the Giants if the Dodgers catch up to the Giants? I mean, if you Darvish is healthy, you have to. If not, um, it's a maybe a spicy take, but I think you it's got to be Blake Snell. Snell. He's pitched in yeah. those big games before. Uh, he's pitched a lot too. better over the last month, and um, I know he pitched pretty well against the A's. So, like, I think that's it's got to be one of those two guys. There's a reason why you traded for them, and it's for those big moments. I think I would want to go with Snell because he's been there before. He's been to a World Series, so you have confidence that he's not going to be like. Um, He's not going to be intimidated by the Dodgers' like stacked lineup of of Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger. Even though he's having a bad year, he's still Cody Bellinger. Mookie Betts, even though he's having a bad year, he's still Mookie Betts. Will Smith, fucking Corey Seager, Justin Turner. Like, there's no relief there. Where a guy like Blake Snell, you know, he's not going to give a shit about that. He's just going to go and he's just going to try and deal the best he can. Let's not forget, you Darvish pitched in the World Series. That's true, but you Darvish realist. If the playoffs were to start right now, you Darvish can't do that. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to live in like in that kind of reality. All right, let's just shit on the Red Sox for a second. We don't want to go on too far for this subject. Completely tanking. We had Red Sox Twitter fans were trying to talk shit on the A's, and then now they're not even in the playoff picture anymore. Mm-hmm. They fucked up by not trying to pick up Anthony Rizzo. They said they got Kyle Schwarber, who came back to earth after I think a lot of us projected to be that. Their yeah. rotations kind of falling to shits. Chris Hill had a really good game coming back, and good for him, but it was against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, as much as I, as much as hatred as I have for the Yankees, it's almost kind of poetic of just seeing the Red Sox just flail right now. It's pretty funny. There was nothing about the Red Sox roster except for Devers and and Bogarts that really like blew me out of the like out of the out of my mind where I was like, yeah, that team, that team's gonna fin- they're gonna finish it off strong, first place in the NL East, like or AL East, like I don't know, man. I said this, I said this around the deadline, and and I I still believe it. Like they just like those guys are good, but there's no like fucking star power there, you know, like star star power. Maybe you could argue the same thing with us, but. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I look. They were Red Sox fans were super cocky the first half of the year. Um, it's funny. It's funny how 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 much they've come kind of come down to reality lately. Especially that fucking douchebag Steve who was talking shit about the A's and and Julio called him out on A's Twitter <laughs> for. Um, oh, a lot of A's fans were dunking on him. It was great. I know it was pretty great, and then Yankees fans chimed in. Thanks to Robbie Schlatter. thank you, Robbie, the Four Train Savages. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just an epic meltdown. They're pretty much out of it. I can't see them catching up to us, or if we manage to um, leap over the, uh, which is very possible, um, leap over the because we were above them a couple days ago. Um, the Yankees. Um, I just, I don't, I think it's done. I, I don't think that, I don't think that's a much of a competition in my. You know, MLB is salivating at the chance of having a Red Sox Yankees wild card game, though. How how many more? I'm gonna look this up right now. Maybe you could stall. How many more games the Yankees and Red Sox have against each other? Because if the Yankees or if the if the Red Sox can dominate that series amongst each other, then they do have a shot. Uh, I have a, a, a random stall thing. Why go ahead and look that up? I I was looking at you, Darvish's stuff still. I pulled up his Wikipedia page. Did you know his dad is Iranian? 
That's cool. Farsad Darvish Safat. So, you Darvish's full name is Farid You Darvish Safat. Japanese, wow. Damn, did not know that. That's tight. Okay, so, yeah, the Red Sox are fucked. They play the Yankees only one more time um, the weekend, the last week of, of the season. That's the only way you're going to be able to, to really trump. I mean, maybe you can make a comeback, but, like, those series are more important because you move an entire game ahead of them in the standings as opposed to half a game. Yeah. Well. Either either way, I think, okay, before we end this topic, who do you feel most optimistic about turning things around? I think we're on the same page. Yeah, we're both on the same page as the Padres. It's just, I think they had pretty gnarly injuries to, like, their two best players. And look, you get some timely hitting in, in a few games and you're back to normal and you're back to, you got the, like, you know, winning's contagious type of situation. Yeah, I don't think the Red Sox have a shot. I don't think the Mets, I mean, de- the Mets definitely don't have a shot. It's the Padres. And the Padres are kind of like the best suited in the standings for it as well. They're three games up on the Reds. Um, and the Reds have were a hot team, you know, this past, like, month. But, you know, I don't know if that's long term. Um, and, you know, the Red Sox are outside looking in. The Mets are outside looking in. Reds look really good right now, though. I'm telling you, Joey yeah, Votto. They're not been outside, freaking, but, but the yeah. but the Padres are not outside looking in. They're inside, protecting their lead. It's just a it's just a different it's a different mindset. Yeah, but you're dude. right. They they, they they have been the Reds have been looking very good actually. Cassiano's healthy again. Joey Votto's been raking. Joey India is yeah. looking like the rookie of the year. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be really exciting to watch that chase. <laughs> Last but not least, fill the dreams game was the biggest regular season drawing ratings-wise since 2005. Now, there's speculation already that we have uh, – or they're going to do it again next year, supposedly. And They've already announced be, they're going to do it. Is it is it official? I know it hasn't, I don't know if MLB has actually said it yet. But um, the rumors – or MLB announced they will be doing it, but they haven't announced who it was yet, and the speculation yeah. is going to be Reds-Cubs because, of course – um, it's great that people are watching it. I think that's fantastic. Did you the, enjoy it, Julio? No, I think it was cool. It was cheesy. Like, don't get me wrong, but I know I think it was cool. I think it was pretty badass just watching the balls why getting lost in the cornfields. Why did they have Kevin Costner walk around the field aimlessly for five minutes? <laughs> it. I, look, I I get the slow buildup and drama. So then, just have him walk super slow to like shallow center field don't have him walk aimlessly around the field he doesn't do that in the movie that was really weird i think i we sh- he gave like the whole i will say the little speech when he gives a little speech and the players come out of the grass that was really cool but i'm gonna kind of when the players came out of the grass that was fucking dope that was tight that was I'm like chills. all right i get it I, like, that's built. I will say though um i did listen to the molly knight interview on Levitard the other day mm-hmm. and they asked her about it and her and Jessica Smoltana kind of have the same point which is like they're gonna burn this thing down like what was going to be like this kind of unique thing and really special MLB is gonna ruin it and like I have a feeling that's what's gonna happen over the next five years if you're just gonna keep doing it year after year and you're just gonna keep all right this week we're this year we're having the uh, Brewers and Royals. It's like I don't care. 
Like by that point, it's like you're kind I, of losing your audience. But also at the same time, I don't think this there's was... anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it once, like one game a, a year. I, I think if they are to do the whole celebration and do this like overdone opening every single time, then yeah, you're gonna outdo it. But like, why not? Like that sounds like a. If I'm a player, that sounds like a dream come true to be able to play in this game at on this field. So like, why wouldn't you just at least have a game there every single year? You don't have to do all of the like theatricals. Just do. Just do a game there. Like, we saw the theatricals for the first time. That was fucking sick. Now just, like, let's just have a game there every year. Just like we do – just like we have a game in London for the NFL every year. Check this out. For comparison, Field of Dreams outdrew all but one regular season game last – NBA regular season game, Mavs-Lakers on Christmas, and all but two mm. playoff games prior to the NBA Finals. Bucks nets Game 7, tight game, and then mm-hmm. Hawks-Sixers Game 7. But there were still – Outdrone or outdrew by the fucking Hall of Fame game? Who was watching that? Who was watching? NFL fans are crazy, Cow- Julio. Oh, God. Anyways, especially I think like, it's also. Hold on. The Cowboys were in the Hall of Fame game. That's and why. Steelers. They're stupid and ass Steelers. towels. Two of the biggest fan bases in Makes the NFL. Sense. But, um, look, they might see this as a win, but I think if you think about. A lot of how they measure ratings nowadays, they don't go by streaming. They still go by traditional cable metrics. Yeah. And of course yeah. it was going to win because this was something that was geared more towards older audience. No, not like I'm not saying like people in their 60s and 70s, but I'm sure like people in their, their 50s and 40s and stuff like that. And or people who grew up watching it with their family that was geared more towards them. So, of course, that was going to be a big viewing mark of it. But um I, I hope it just leads to more creativity of what they're going to be doing with this. I know I suggested like a Sandlot game that'll probably yeah, never that'd be happen, cool. but like that'd be cool. Or um, I remember when they had like the first game in Puerto Rico a few years mm-hmm. back, and like uh, President Obama attended. Like that was awesome. Yeah, um, just be a little more innovative with this stuff. Don't be afraid to kind of break the barriers. That makes with these things kind of fun. Just don't keep doing the same shit over and over again because the fun and joy and the kind of romanticism of it all is going to get lost. But Julio, you made a good point the other day, I think it was on our group chat, that it shouldn't be like... I think one thing why the ratings did so well is that it was a national TV game during the weekday. Like That's something that they don't take advantage of. Like ESPN has two games during the weekday, Monday and Tuesday. I think it brought up last week on the show. Oh, you did? Yeah. They yeah, just like that. they need to do they more primetime games. More. Yeah. yeah, and they should get more teams involved. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I just don't see why not. You're in the middle of summer. There's no, like, insane programming you have, like, for, like, your, your like, you know, NCIS, like, your, like, staple show for a network. I don't know. It's weird. Look, your biggest competition right now is Bachelor in Paradise, which is also <laughs> absolute which fire start to the season. Great yes. start. Very Love excited. But, like, yeah, just work around that schedule. That's all I've got to ask for. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break now. Um, weird, um, different uh, format this week because our A's news ties into our main segment. So we're going to do all that in one big segment. Um, so stick around, it, which you guys can always probably already guess what it is. But uh, stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. 
Um, we'll jump right into it. So this is A's news um, as well as um, a combo with our main segment. Um, what's next is going to be the title of that. Um, so let's start off. Um, well, let's let's actually let's review the schedule. Um, so the Mariners, um, came, or we went to the, uh, went to Arlington to face the Mariners or sorry, not the Mariners, the Rangers. Let's start uh, this uh, over. Let's start, Chris, start over. No, we'll keep going. Um, to face the Rangers, went to Arlington, Texas, to face the Rangers. We dropped, um, two out of three there. Um, got rocked on Friday, um, whooped that ass on Saturday and then got rocked again. Uh, and then we headed over to the south side of Chicago to face the White Sox Monday um, through today, Thursday, the 19th. Um, more or less had some good hitting uh, the first two games, but just could not bring runners home. There was multiple attempts to do that, and we just couldn't get it done. Um, and then on the 18th, um, we trotted out our amazing um, ace, um, Chris Bassett. Um, in What inning was it that it happened? Third? It happened to the first. First was it the first? Yeah, yeah. The, the first is first and third, or first and second. They had base load or something like that. Gotcha. <clears throat> in the first inning of that game, um, uh, he was uh, a uh, the batter um, hit a line drive straight at him. It struck him at 100 miles of an hour, right in the face, just below the eye. Um, he goes down. Um, it looked pretty bad. He was holding his face. Uh, luckily, he was conscious during the entire time, but it was very worrisome. Um, could have been a lot worse, could have been life-threatening, but it looks like he's going to be okay, get some surgery to repair his cheek. Um, his eye is fine, still has 20-20 vision. It missed his eye, thank God, um, but it was a very scary sight. If you have not seen it, um, um, you know, full discretion, uh, it's pretty hard to watch, but if you want to see it, um, our good friend Alex Espinoza from Ricky Blogs posted it on his Twitter. I think we retweeted it, Julio, as well. That is correct. Um, yeah. Um, it looks like he's going to be out. We thought was going to be longer, potentially the rest of the season, potentially his career. But um, according to him, um, in a text that he sent to Dallas Braden at 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning, um, he thinks that he's going to be in a bullpen session in a couple weeks. He's going to get a surgery tomorrow, repair that cheek. Once the swelling goes down, um, we'll take a couple weeks for that bone to heal a little bit after the surgery. Um, and then he's going to start throwing again. Julio, a lot of things to um, wrap our heads around here. There's a lot of uh, a lot to get through because this um, situation affects a lot of what we're kind of trying to do right now as a team in capture the division and hold on to the and or hold on to the wild card. Um, we lose our ace pitcher potentially for the rest of the season, uh, probably only for three or four weeks. Um, our second best pitcher all season has been struggling lately. Um, in the month of August, he has an ERA of 13. Um, in our hitting, what was the bright spot of this win streak that we had going just before this run against the Rangers in the White Sox, um, seems to be slowing down. It seems like small ball is kind of kicking us in the ass now. We get runners in scoring position, but we cannot bring them home. So, Julio, your initial reaction to um, the Chris Bassett. Let's start there with the Chris Bassett injury. Fuck. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Look, he's fine. Mine was, like, frightening. I was, like... It was scary. It was so scary watching that live. It was was really horrifying to kind of see that experience happen live. 
thankfully, you know, like you mentioned, his eye will be okay. There's no brain damage. Unfortunately, we all remember when Brandon McCarthy got hit and that more or less kind of ruined his career. Playing wise, I know he did pitch. I think he did pitch again. He had a, he had a couple like all star seasons after that, didn't he? He no, he did. That was it when he so got hit. Play- uh, um, that was it. It was just, it was kind of one of those things that when it happened, it was like, of course, like this. We were just going to the A's just went this really tough series against the Rangers, who for some reason just become this new unit of a team whenever they play the A's even though the A's are still have a winning record against them they just play them so well and so tough yeah. at the worst times and then everyone was kind of dreading this series because the White Sox have really started clicking their guys have been coming healthy again uh, the rotation has just been stout and then they added Craig Kimbrell and then Ryan Tapera to like really solidify that bullpen and this, we were like, all right, this is the game. This is the game where Seabass out there, and of course that happens, and everything just goes to shit. The uh, other reaction is, I think, he now that knowing he's going to be okay, and that there's a timeline of a potential return, this is what differentiates, we're going to jump on the Bob Melvin train, everybody, I got my conductor hat on, choo-choo, we're going to go. I think that's what makes him such a good manager is he's able to kind of navigate through those storms. He's able to kind of find the right guys for these moments because unfortunately he's had to go through this a lot through his career with the A's. If you think about yeah. you know, the horrible Brandon McCarthy situation and we, we had to talk about this a few weeks ago when Lazardo or when Ramon got suspended We've, he's been through multiple guys who've been busted for PEDs. So he's kind of been through this before and he knows how to kind of kind of maintain those choppy waves, more or less, to kind of get those teams there. So I think... And Julio, last night yeah. was a great example. He picked the right guy to pitch that game last night. A guy with veteran experience who can come in there and pitch a quality start outing. Paul Blackburn. Well, you know why, right? You know why? He's from Antioch, son! <laughs> Brentwood's finest, though. He went to Heritage, like, let's be honest. Uh, I, like, I was going to make this point on Twitter. Mm-hmm. When, uh, you know, because Heritage, I think when I, when it was my senior year of high school, it was their first year. And I will always, yeah, re- I will that. always remember the, because, look, I didn't do any high school athletics, but I did one track for one, one year, and I'll always hold mm-hmm. that to my chest. I was, I did high school sports for one year. My senior year of mm-hmm. high school, but we ran against Heritage, and it you was to hang out with your friends, though. Yeah, but also like, hey, I ran a five eighteen mile. That's pretty good. I'm yeah, exactly. Uh, like with with like only one year of training, everybody's like, "Damn, you should have kept doing this." I'm like, "I fucking should." But um, I just remember our track meet was just like a complete, the lack of better words, molly wop, where like. Mm-hmm. People were getting lapped in mile races. Um, Ryan DeVito straight up ran like five different events that day. He's never done hurdles before, but he ran hurdles. Yeah. So all I'm saying uh, is the fact they that... They were freshmen and sophomore, though. Yeah, it, it was hella funny. But uh, there was a few people transferred who were like, there are a few we're juniors and so seniors. off topic. 
Yeah, but the, my point is to kind of see where Heritage Athletics came from that point to now they have a guy who's can really pitch in the majors. Fantastic. And like yeah. Paul Blackburn was kind of an afterthought for a majority of the season because mm. we have the hype of Dalton Jeffries. He's been pitching so well out there. Uh, Grant Holmes has been lingering around there as well. We're waiting for like, okay, when's AJ Puck going to be starting? We've kind of forgot like Paul Blackburn. Yeah, he's not going to have the most electric stuff. But like when he's on and he's got the kind of, I think the familiarity with Sean Murphy kind of helped him out a little bit. He is a very pretty solid, sustainable pitcher. He's no better than like a Mike Fires in that situation. Yeah, uh, I agree. So yeah, shout out to him. And I think uh, with with just I think this next few weeks are going to show you like how good of a manager Bowmel is. And you just it, it's been fr- like we're in the same boat as a lot of other Ace fans. Chris, you agree with me? It's frustrating. This week has been so goddamn frustrating. You just yeah. gotta be even keel. Just kind of take a breath. Try, and if you're just really getting frustrated watching this team, just don't watch. Step away. I, That's what we had to do Tuesday night when he got hit. I just had to stop watching. I'm like, I'm not in the mood to watch this team right now. Yeah, I turned it off. Um, but you know, and it, I'm not gonna lie. Quite soon after the accident, it was hard not to think. Like the the thing that came through my mind was like. Well, where does this put our rotation now? Like, if we get into a wild card game, is Shamanaya the guy to go with? We we've seen him get lit up in those games before. I think he had a decent start last year in the wild card series, which is better, you know, to see. But uh, you know, his playoff record is not so great. Um, you know, small sample size, but whatever. Um, he's hasn't he's been pitching terribly recently. So I would say if you would have asked me two weeks ago. I would have had all the confidence in the world that he could be, he could lead the staff um, with Caprillion and and Montas and Irvin right behind him. But like now, it just it's super concerning, and we have some big series coming up that we need to win in order to get catch some ground from the Astros. We're only two and a half games behind the Astros, and the Astros have not been playing the best baseball they've been playing all season as of late. So right now, let's see what the Astros are at. Their splits. Uh, right now they are five and five in their last ten. Um, their run differential is one plus one sixty four, but it was like around two hundred a couple weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's just something that we really need to take advantage of. And and I I I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. Um, the other guys behind them, do I have confidence that maybe they could lead us through a series? Yes. Do I have confidence in one of them in a wild card game? Probably not. I think Frankie would probably be our best bet in that situation. I don't know if you want to trot out a rookie in Caprillion in that game, but um, yeah, it's you know it just leaves so many gaping holes. And we had one of the top ten pitchers in the league um, go down like that. When we had all the confidence in the world, and I, you know, Jeff Passon said it on SportsCenter last night. He's been like a sneaky, like Cy Young candidate that no one in the league is talking about. Chris Bassett. Like, I, I, you look at his numbers, and he's up there with all the other guys. Um, so I don't know. That was the thing. That's the thing that concerns me the most. Um, so I'm hoping that he's back in time for the playoffs, and he's like back to form. That's 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 yeah. That's what's weighing on my mind a lot. That's I li- I'm glad you brought up the back to form thing because um, you know. Wait, have you watched season two of Ted Lasso yet? No, I'm waiting for it okay. to all go, and then I'm going to binge it. 
I forgot that's your thing. Anyways, the first episode has to deal with the for yips. shows like that. Only for shows like that. Yeah, yeah. The first episode has to deal with the yips, and yeah, that's kind of my concern with Seabass when he comes back, is yeah. how quickly is he going to adjust to kind of going back into that pitcher's mentality where it's like, fuck. I think that's the biggest fear for anybody who's ever paid played baseball, especially if you're a pitcher, is just like, what's going to happen if I don't catch a ball, or if I just can't stop a ball that reaction just hits me. Um, I will it, say it, the just, one thing about Seabass is he's a badass and he kind of like really struts himself out there. And it's oh, like absolutely. He, he yeah. just, he has this aroma of being a badass to where I have confidence he can. But yes, that is definitely something that, you know, it's to, to be concerned about too. Yeah. I, it's, I think maybe it'd give him a couple starts until it kind of figures yeah. out his groove. Yeah. It just, for sure. And I think he's he's a very prideful person. He's really big mm. on just everything he's done for this team. Um, he's really busted his ass to get to the spot where he's at right now. But dude, look how far he's grown over this last year. Man. I remember when we had Mason on last year. I would say this like, last two years. Yeah, remember we had Mason on last year for one of the first steps. He's like, yeah, I don't know how sustainable oh. he's going to be. And it's just like, dude, the guy's been Hold one on. of the best pitchers in the American League. All right, is two, this the Mason wrestling two, session? Take it away. Yeah. To to Seabass's defense, he was having an insane year. He was fucking killing it all last season, but but Mason was still hesitant about it. I would say a year and a half ago when he first like came back up, I think it was an injury or it was a monta no, it was not the monta. It was some injury to someone in the rotation. I want to say AJ Puck, and he came up and he lit it up that year, and he, he and he became a staple of the rotation. Um, yeah, no that that Mason that Mason hot take was was when he was already pitching really well. So that's why that take is just that should be on the freezing cold takes Twitter account. I'm just glad we'll forever have that moment because it's great. Um, But, you know, honestly, uh, I don't know if you guys saw too uh, the last dive bar. Uh, Chris, go ahead and hold up the mug real quick. Wait, got it there. Look at that. Look at that shit. So fantastic. Anyways, the last dive bar Twitter account, they actually put together a a get well card for Seabass. So if you yeah, haven't had the cool. chance, uh, we're going to retweet it. and I'll re- go ahead and retweet it in a moment. Go ahead and sign it. Send whatever thoughtful wishes, whatever things you want to say. I know Chris is going to say, you're fucking badass, and you're going to come back better than ever. Uh, get a chance to do it. Seabass is one of those guys that he really thrives on that kind of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. he, best of wishes, man. I, I, I'm so excited for him to come back, knowing that he's okay, because I think he's going to be better than ever. Yeah. I, I think so too, but uh, yeah, no, you're 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 right. You're you have every right to be a little concerned, um, um, in that area, um, but I mean, the, the, let's be honest though. The the tail of the tape this past week was was just not bringing runners home. That was fucking brutal. Like, y- not yesterday's game. The game before. No, that was Bassett's injury. The national TV game, ESPN on Monday. They had runners. They had runners on second and third, or just on third, like it for three straight innings, with z- with one or zero outs, and they could not bring a guy home. They would ground out, or they would strike out two, or something like that. It just it drove me insane. It's like well, I thought we solved this problem. I thought we were. I thought we figured this out, and now we're back to where we were before the deadline. Like this is not gonna win us a championship. Like what the fuck is going on? It's 
It seems like there's only a few guys who can really hit and runners at scoring position, and one of them was Jed. It's starting to get to the point of frustration that it's like, I don't know if this is the... Look, I'm an, I'm a big anti-Darren Bush guy. You know that. Mm-hmm. Something is telling we me... We both are. Yeah, we both are. And something is telling me that the preparation that these guys are getting when you're going into matchups, it just isn't working. Yeah. And... Absolutely. We told that I retweeted the stat earlier today that it was something like the A's hit like uh, their five last home runs were all solo home runs. I'm going to pull up the exact number. Well, um, Olsen had a two run home. Three, no, but Olsen was the one that broke it. He oh, okay. also was the one that broke it today. Oh, the A's yeah, last 14 home runs have been solo home runs. That's insane. And it wasn't until today where Olsen hit that two run home run. And that's just not sustainable. And this has just been a problem for the last three years. Last four, well, since 2018, when they've kind of got this new run of good teams. Yeah. I don't know what else you can say about that issue. We've been hampering on this since day one of starting this podcast. Is like, look, we're not expecting you to drive in five runs every time the bases are loaded. We're not expecting you to, to, you know, a grand slam every at-bat. Just make it competitive and it still seems like that's their cons- they're not doing it consistently and until they can't do that consistently like this isn't a championship team i i am a full believer that i think with this roster they have now the way the bullpen's been pitching the way they the starters have been throughout the season this is a team that i think could legitimately win a world series i mm-hmm. I, I will stand by that point and i will find anybody for it but it's like the little things like that where you still can't show any signs of consistency is that is just a major red flag that all these years they still haven't been able to figure that shit out. And it, it's cool. it's just mind boggling, man. Julio, I'll do I'll do you one better. Like like we're not expecting you to to score like five runs every inning, but you have three innings with three chances in a row to get it right. And you can't do get one of them right. That's where I have the problem. Look, stranding runners, it happens. Like, nobody's perfect. You can't hit fucking 1,000 in a season. So, every once in a while, you're going to have those bad innings where you have a runner on third and you have three strikeouts in a row or whatever. But three fucking innings in a row, you have these opportunities and you can't do it. Like, and I get this was Lance Lynn, too. But, like, Lance Lynn looked very vulnerable that game. Very vulnerable. I think it was proof when we got runners on third and second for three innings in a row. It, uh, it just, it, you know, honestly, part of it too, Julio, it's probably the roles are all fucked up now with, with the, with the Ramon suspension. Like they can't find someone consistent to bat second. Cause I mean, Lowry's kind of, they've been putting Lowry at third because he's been batting so well then you know, doing it with runners on base. Um, you know, they're kind of moving Harrison and Kemp all over the field, which is kind of weird. I get it. They're utility players, but that's kind of weird. Mitch Moreland is not consistent at the five hole. They, they're having a hard time kind of like filling up that middle of the order. Like the roles are just all over the place and they keep trying to search for him and the guys aren't stepping up. Straight up, I think Jan Gomes should be playing majority of games. I would rather you have think, Jan, you Jan think Gomes. think he should be been... like the, the full DH now? Um... 
Not the full DH because I think another red flag that's kind of been drawn up lately is just seeing like Jed's fielding has is really starting to show like unfortunately his his body's cashing up with him out there. Yeah. But yeah, Jan Gomes is just every at bat is at least productive. He's just mm-hmm. so productive out there every single at bat. So maybe if he's not going to be the full time DH, and I think the team really does benefit from having him behind the plate as well, and it's it's showing so far. Um, but you're right though. It's like it's weird. Even though like as he does, he makes lost, the most of every at bat ever since he's yeah, been in the team. I absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and he almost hit a home run yesterday. He was so close yeah. to kind of hitting it out yesterday. Just kind of died out in the outfield. But uh, you brought up a really good point of they're still trying to figure out the lineup post Ramon. Even though as soon as he got suspended, they went on a seven game excuse me a seven game win streak. And it, it's weird that they've never figured it out how much. So, how much of a point do you think this kind of sludge of games has to deal with? Just this is what ten games in a row, and all ten were on the road. I think because that's a big. Me- I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a big part of it. But 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 also, I think that Bob Melvin's trying to get. He's all. He's almost over managing. He's trying to get too cute with the lineup and too cute with the positions. Like you see, you see a lineup and you see. Um, a defense that's working like why don't you just stick with that and just ride that where he's like trying to give too many giving everybody a day off he's you know kenson kempson left field and then he removed him over second and then you know he's gonna fucking play center field and then you know josh harrison's playing all over the fucking field and you know mitch Moore has a day off and Jan gomes is DHing. it's just like stop just just stop getting too cute and let's just go with what works um sorry what were you gonna say um no, that, that was kind of my last point that I think whenever we're ready to move on to the next segment, I think there's somebody who's really going to help solidify this lineup um, to really figure out where it's going to go next. So if, if you have any more lasting points, I think a big part of this, this my last point with this whole thing is like 10 games on the road, back to back, you're going from... Uh, Cleveland to Texas to yeah. Chicago. Look, man, Chris, you travel for work. That shit's mm-hmm. exhausting. I couldn't oh, yeah. imagine how much how exhausting. Moving you feel all over just, those time zones, man. Yeah. yeah. So imagine just having to play every single day since then. And there's probably some guys like shit. Have you seen Matt Olson get a day off this whole time? No. That, that no. That's I mean that's that's you're only moving one hour, but that's three different time zones you went into. You went you went from from central to east to central. Like that's insane. Um, but one last thing, and then um, and then you can you um, talk about the thing that you think is going to ground it a little bit. Um, oh my god, I totally lost my train of thought. It's not important. Oh oh. I do feel like we were cheated a little bit. We were robbed a little bit. I tweeted out a poll today. Did you feel like we were robbed? Because I felt that way a little bit from this series with the White Sox. I felt like we could have definitely tied up that series, but like just Bassett's injury just totally just took the wind out of this team yesterday. Um, that I, I don't want to blame it on that, but I, I will say that, that that was something that was concerning. So I maybe we're overreacting and maybe just like that one game really affected like that whole series, but and you know the Rangers always play us well, so that's there's that too. But yeah, I I I don't know, I don't know. I think it's I I I think it's more what we've been talking about for the past twenty minutes than than that. Well, Chris, get ready because 
It's going down. We're yelling Tinder. Oh. The latest speculation Swipe right. is... Swipe right, baby. The latest speculation from uh, Bob Melvin is that Chad Pinder is expected to be returning this weekend as soon as tomorrow against the series against the Giants or uh, today if you're listening tomorrow morning. Anyways, Chad Pinder, Chad Pinder is going to come back to the lineup. We've kind of talked about in the past how important it's going to be, even if his bat is not there, to kind of have him there to give some relief to Elvis at short give him the days off when he needs it. Pinder, or um, sorry, Chapman at third, give him the days off when he needs it. And he's kind of one second of those. Second base too, yeah. Yeah, at second as well. And it just kind of gives some more pieces to Bowmel to work with. Uh, fantastic news. They've drastically needed some, just somebody where you can kind of plug and play okay with giving days off to because I love Tony Kemp. I've been a huge fan of his throughout the season. Um, and I, I think he's, really a, a, a wizard at at second he's made some pretty dynamic plays throughout the mm-hmm. season i don't think he should be playing in the outfield too often though just because of like um with w- especially arm. yeah yeah especially with no ramon right now we don't really have a somebody who can really hold guys at second who are trying to run the third kind of thing but with yeah. pinder out there you got somebody who's got a good enough arm that can at least stop those guys from advancing and so on and so forth. And Canna can go back to left, which is nice because his presence in left is is great. Uh, you know, another thing I just thought of, Julio, is um, Elvis Andrews' uh, paternity leave. That also might have been, you know, you're you're taking away leadership in the clubhouse too, so that might have affected as well. And Chad Pinder kind of helps that out because Vismail Machine is not the answer at shortstop. Um, where Pinder can be a lot better. And also Pinder, he was, he's a leader of the clubhouse that kind of like people that the, the fans don't necessarily know too much about. He was one of the guys who in that, um, that series against the Astros, the ALDS last year in that game three, when they were down and they rallied back, he was one of the guys who him and Ramon and Marcus were the guys who were in the, in the dugout, like rallying and like giving speeches to try and get the guys going. So that's going to be super important. Yeah, just more versatility. Hopefully the, Bob Melvin doesn't get too cute with it, but uh, yeah, he's uh, we've been saying we always talk about how important Pinder every time he comes back from an injury, we talk about how important Pinder is to this team and and what he does. Yeah, and it's just sucks cuz he's been hurt so much this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's shown like when he's not there how important it, like this offense, this team really clicks when Pinder and Canna are out there, and you lose one yeah. of those guys, you kind of lose a part of that offense. Like when when Canna first came back from the IL when he was out, like in the middle of July or before the All Star break, it was showing like, oh shit, we need somebody who's going to kind of, even if he's not going to be hitting as hard as he is, somebody who's just going to be patient at the plate, taking pitches for every at bat. Mm-hmm. And with Pinder, it's just like somebody where you can throw him anywhere you want, and He'll, he's going to make the best out of those situations. He's got a really good arm. He's got a solid glove. So, And this isn't a better time to get him against the Giants. So yes. happy he's coming back. Um, do you think he's going to be potentially like the everyday left fielder going forward? Or right fielder going forward? Um, I don't know. I really like Josh Harrison and what he's been doing is bad. So... He's one of the guys who, like, he's been the guy on third base, like, the past, like, five games that's getting stranded there, you know? So, I don't know. I mean, 
I think you're right. I think we could use him at second, and maybe Jed can DH. Because whatever Mitch is doing, he's got to figure something out. Um, I would feel more comfortable with Jed at DH um, on his off days. Um, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to see. Um, I, I'm gonna pull up this up if you want to stagger this up for a second. I'd like to see. I know we talk about the Dodgers a lot on here, but also mm. I'm super surrounded by Dodger talk, so that's kind of our thing. Because we live in Los Angeles, it's just yeah, exactly. Uh, I would love to see Bomel use Pinder the way that he uses, or that the way the Dodgers use Chris Taylor, and that. Oh, interesting. So here I'm gonna give you entering Tuesday. Chris Taylor's played 49 games at center field, 39 mm. at second, 22 at short, 10 in left, seven at third, and one That'd be in great. right field. Just give like, all these guys a little, like a little bit of rest, at least a couple innings of rest. Yeah, like dude, Canada's been playing so much. Yeah. Um, it's give him those days out. I don't think Starling Marte's really had any rest since he's been out there. I don't know how well he probably doesn't. Had. He probably doesn't want any rest because he missed half the season from an injury. And also, like he's trying to get paid, so get him yeah, out there. So like Elvis needs it. Um, Chappie needs it. Like, it's just like, especially yeah. in this time of the year where it's starting to show where they, on a 10 game road trip, they just went five and five, five and five when they should have taken that series against Texas. Uh, yeah, it, it just makes life a little bit easier for the whole team when he's there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's, uh, we'll move on to the last piece of information for A's news and then, um, we'll finish it off. But, um, unless you have something more to say. It's going down, yelling Pinder. That's it. Boom. Yeah, we expect to see some Pinder this weekend if he does indeed come back. Um, some good news. Um, the A's have been flexed into um, primetime Sunday night baseball against the Yankees on – shit, I just had it up, but I lost it. ESPN? Um, on ESPN? No, I mean the date, the date of the game, but it's not important. It's in two weeks. That is um, August 29th. August 29th. So Sunday night baseball um, – will be um, at the Coliseum as well as baseball tonight um, <clears throat> on location. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, you'll get to watch them play the Yankees, and that'll be a fun series. I didn't know that MLB had flex scheduling, but I looked it up, and apparently they do for the second half of the season. So that's also why we saw the A's on Monday Night Baseball this week. They got flexed into that game as well. So that'll be cool. All right, Julio. This upcoming schedule, we play the Giants this weekend, Friday through Sunday. Uh, one second, I have the pitching matchups right here. Alex Wood is facing off against um, James Caprillion on Friday the 20th. Saturday, it's going to be Kevin Gaussman versus Shamanaya. Uh, 1 p.m. start game for that. And uh, Webb will be facing off against um, – that's not Brandon Webb. I don't know why I was thinking to say that. but Logan Webb. Matter. Logan Webb is facing off against Frankie Montas on Sunday, 1 p.m. start. So this is a big series going against the best team in baseball statistically. That is the standings. I don't know if I would say that they're the best team in baseball, but that's just my opinion. Um, and then after that, two-game series against Seattle, Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday off. Um, Julio, who's your player of the week, if you have one? Uh, I'm going to go with somebody who uh, I think they've made the biggest – they've made a big impact in the pen. I'm going to go with A.J. Puck. Oh. I think he's he's really starting to come into his own in this role. Uh, he only pitched and he three did in- he did what? Uh, oh, it feels like I thought it was more than three innings. It feels like more, but he's been doing what you what you want him to do is eat a inning. Yeah, eat innings. He came up. Um, 
and I think he's done a really solid job so far. He's only he, this last week he only pitched three innings. He gave up only one run. He walked one. He he had two Ks, and uh, throughout he's only pitched uh, seven innings total throughout the season, and he hasn't given up a run yet. So uh, I think we just got to show like, hey, it's it's working so far. How long this is going to be sustainable because of his history, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But it, it is starting to click a little bit. So I'm hoping that's sustainable. I just want to give him his kudos while kudos is there. So AJ Puck, that's my play of the week. Nice. I like that pick. Solid pick. Uh, mine's going to be Paul Blackburn because he stepped up big. Um, he got the call the day before um, to come in and, and step up and take this this pitching assignment. Um, they It kind of moved worked out for everybody's favor because then it pushed – all the starters back so that our three best starters are pitching this weekend against the Giants. But he came up the day before, flew out to Chicago, pitched a hell of a game in place of um, the injured Chris Bassett. Five innings, only five hits, three runs, three strikeouts. But he he didn't get any run support. And this was the game that I was talking about where they had very many opportunities of runners on ba- on third base and they could not bring runners home. Let's see how many runners they stranded. Uh, runners left in scoring position. Uh, Josh Harrison three times. Mark Canna twice. Matt Chapman twice. So they stranded... Oh, my God. They stranded seven runners in that game in scoring position. Um, but you did your job, buddy. So kudos to you. Um, I don't know how much we're going to see of you this the rest of the season. Uh, they might bring up um, Dalton Jeffries, but you deserve a spot because you, you did well. So... You get you get my player of the week, Antioch, one of Antioch and Brentwood's finest. You can go and get a, a free burrito from Los Three Migos restaurant whenever you would like, my friend. There you go. Family discount. All right, Hulu. Last week's essential tailgate tools of the week. You picked Marcana. And uh he was uh He had a home run, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's th- kind of... He was 5 of, for 31 with five strikeouts, though. That sucks. Yeah, I, um, I think kind of a one thing we're seeing lately is his, his power has kind of regressed a little bit. Yeah. he's Obviously, he's still being patient at the plate. He's still got three walks. He got hit by a pitch because it wouldn't be a Mark Hanna hit without getting hit by a pitch. But, uh, yeah, it, it, hitting I wonder wise, if he's been being more... Like a different hitting, like a different strategy because he's a leadoff hitter. Maybe. Even though, like, I feel, I, I feel like I've seen him hit for bombs more, but oh. I don't know. Uh, mine was Elvis Andrews. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, mine was Elvis Andrews. He was on paternity leave for half the week, though, so not that, you know, three for 19. Uh, still a base. That's cool. I don't know. I didn't know he, that yeah. it, I didn't know that his wife was pregnant, so I'd, otherwise I would. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. I didn't get a full week out of him, but, you know, it is what it is. We win some, we lose some. All right, Julio, who is your essential ticket tool of this week? <sighs> Matt Chapman, I want to see if you're going to keep doing it, man. Um, I, I, you know, I for sure thought one of us was going to pick Chappie because – Probably should have, but I just wanted to get Paul Blackburn his, his – No, absolutely. He, he deserves the love he, he should get. I think yeah. he really was really <clears throat> solid in that – start but um chappy might be back and i just want to kind of rewind knock on one if you're with me knock on wood. this my rewind motion 
to uh, when we did our our steady A's. He was your second half MVP. If he was really starting, if this team really wants to be competitive, he's got to start clicking. And he has to be yeah. really looking like at least the uh, power wise is starting to come back. He's I think he's at 19 home runs now. Um, it, it looks like it's starting to click again, and I think this coming week against a huge series, two huge series really against the Giants and the Mariners. Uh, this can be time for him to shine. So, Chappie, let's bring it in home, baby. We have 45 games left. Can he pull a 2010 Hideki Matsui and have an insane second half? That's what we're hoping for. Yes. Um, mine is going to be Shamanaya because he needs to pitch well in this game on Saturday. Um, one, we need this win because I don't want to fucking hear from Giants fans. And two... We just need him to bounce back because he needs to lead the staff because he's the only real candidate who has the, at least right now, who has the um, makeup in terms of like all around just his pitching style and, and everything. Just just a complete pitcher. He's the only one in our rotation who has it. I think Caprillion will have it, but he's young. Uh, he's the only one who has it now, so we need him to do that. So Shamanaya is my essential tagger to the league. Uh, we're not going to update the polls because I only did two polls this week, so we'll just and one of them was today, so we'll just wrap those into next week and add them to next week's update and polls. Sound good, Julio? Yes. All right, cool. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this week's Town Tailgate podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Town Tailgate. Um, you can email us things if you want to Town Tailgate Podcast at gmail dot com. I don't know why you would, but you can. That's that's cool. Yeah, sure. Um, why not? Yeah, um, and don't forget to uh, check out the Around the Diamond Podcast Network. Um, that's what we are powered by. Uh, am I missing anything? I think oh, we gotta get a we gotta give a shout out to Zion I real quick, man. Oh man. Okay. Quick. Yeah, I'm gonna take this one. Yeah, real take quick. it, man. Take it. It's all you. So when I was, you know, when I was a kid, you know. Obviously, I listened to hip-hop, but it was mostly mainstream stuff. My brother is a hip-hop head. My brother, Larry Madrigal, shout out. Uh, he's a hip-hop head. And when the hyphy movement came to Bay Area, he got super into the hyphy movement. And so much that he kind of went down like a deep dive of finding out all these like underground rappers. Zion I was one of those guys. This was before Don't Lose Your Head came out. This was when like The Bay was like their big song. Which, if you know Zion I, if you know... Uh, the hype movement you know what song i'm talking about it's like in the bay it's just talking about like things that we do in the bay um so zion i is a is a rap group uh with zumbi and amp live is the zumbi is the mc amp live was the was the producer and um and dj um and their music just really you know my brother introduced me to him and they just really spoke to me he's they're one of my brother's favorite um artists of all time as well but they're very lyrical. They talk about really important things. In fact, they talked a lot in their early albums, like 2005, 7, 9, about mental health. They were really ahead of that train more than anybody. Um, and just their music really spoke to me. My One of my all-time top five, maybe probably second all-time favorite album is Heroes in the City of Dope, which was their album they did in 2007 yep, with yep, The Grouch. Yep, yep. Just nothing but classics. And if you listen to that album, I recommend that you listen to it from start to finish all the way through. That album is designed like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And it's or it's designed to listen to all the way through from start to finish. 
They have um, sound transitions from the at the end of one song that go into the next. It's just a beautiful piece of art. Talks about and all their music talks about just amazing stuff. It's not just like partying and bitches and shit like that. Um, so that when that album came out, he became my all time favorite rapper. I had the luxury of meeting him in 2013 when I was interning at Comcast Sportsnet, which is now NBC Sportsnet. Um, I didn't know when I showed up to work that day that he was coming in to be on our 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 talk show, our weekly talk show, or daily talk show, Yahoo Sports Talk Live. He's going to do a performance. Uh, my boss surprised me with that. Um, he came in. We shot with him. Um, he hung out and just shot the shit with us afterward. My boss was also a really big fan of Zion I. So we were talking to him and telling him about how we're such a big, I'm such a big fan. Like your music spoke to me for all these years. He pl- he performed, um, coasting, which is a one of another great song of theirs. Um, and I told him about the story of, he had a show in Berkeley once where my brother came to it and he pulled my brother up on stage and they were dancing. Uh, I forgot who he was with, but he, my brother, that's one of my favorite, my brother's favorite stories, um, at a concert and they started dancing and they hung and like, he was up there for like two songs and just like rapping and hanging out with them. And I told him that story and he was like, yeah, we do that a lot. So honestly, I can't remember exactly when it was. <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest thing. That's great. And when, when we we're done shooting the shit, you know, we wanted to ask for a picture, but we're at work. So we wanted to be like respectful and we're like, yeah, man, it was great meeting you. Thank you so much. And he goes, you guys want a picture with me? And I was like, what did he just ask us if we can get a picture with him? Fuck. Yeah. We want to pick. Yes, 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 we do. We want a picture. He's like, I was like, I didn't want to ask, but like, you know, he's like, yeah, man, no, hell no. Yeah. Get in here. Let's take a picture. And he took a picture with us and it wasn't like a, like a, like a smiling, like arm around a picture. He was like, let's do something cool. And like, we like pointed, we, you know, we were just like doing stupid shit and he was just awesome and so much fun. And that was like the greatest moment of my college life um it's still one of my favorite moments meeting a celebrity i've met a lot of them especially living down here in la and uh i will always remember it so rest in peace to steven uh zumbi i forgot his last name but uh zion uh, zion of zion i so dude planes trains automobiles like one of my favorite songs that era man especially like when you when you move away from home and you kind of hear you hear the, the the sound of BART trains going by. And we you, take you, planes, trains, automobiles, yeah, ride around the world to collect more squirrel. And when we get done, I miss my, home. my home. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. Just yeah. music from the heart, man. So, you know, yeah. rest in peace. One of Oakland's finest, ladies and gentlemen. So on that note, in honor of Zumbi, last but not least, Julio. Never forget, let's go Oakland. Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, 
Let's go Oakland. <laughs>